Hello, gorgeous. Welcome back to the show for the Friday, the 19th of January, 2024. It is episode 2108. Hope you're doing well. Welcome. Today has been uh, horrendous, <laughs> to put it simply. Today has been the worst. And so it's good to finally be home, just kind of sitting here. No, I didn't have a breakdown at work again. Shut up. I had other things. I had a car. Had is the key word there. Um, yes, today, of all things, uh, Stacia, the, the subwoofer say at Leon, has decided that she doesn't want to, you know, not be um, on fire. And so I have had a wonderful and, and then cursing axer out here, a absolutely wonderful day, waiting on the side of uh, a very busy main road with Stacia, who basically in the morning, I was like three miles to work, potentially, probably more than that. It was mostly long straight roads up until that point. So you, you know how it is in big capital cities. It feels like it takes forever to move about two miles. But when you get outside of them, it's like, hold up, I just covered 70 miles in an hour. It's like, how, how, how did I do that? I'll tell you how. It's it, uh, it it's a well guarded secret um, called actually spacing things out, not putting everything in the exact same spot. And so I was maybe thirty miles, ten miles, something miles on my way to work, and it's really annoying because I've been doing this whole like enlightenment thing recently. And by enlightenment thing, I mean um, it is winter. It is harder to get to work at the moment. So I need to wake up earlier to prep the car, as it were. Scrape the insides, because the insides, for some reason, get really icy as well. I would love to work by my own schedule, but uh, I think those days are behind me now. And so I've, I've kind of been, not pumped as such, just happy that I've been able to meet the demands. Waking up early. You know, trying to get to places extra early and all of that sort of stuff. Um, basically being, you know, a social strew with no life. And so, yeah, I was about 30 miles in. It's only 8.20. Start work at 9. I'm only like, you know, five miles away. Straight road. No London traffic at all. And I just smell this, like, horrendous, horrendous acrid burning smell. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. This is the day, isn't it? It's the fucking day. I've been looking at that car day in, day out, thinking it's not it's not far off, is it? The day's not far off. Because she has been ragged around every single corner uh, of the UK and to a certain extent some of Europe. Done like, you know, plenty of 12, 14, 18 hour driving sessions has supported me for over... I think it's been eight years or so. And so I was like, one day, one day, it's one day it's going to fuck up. And that day was today. And so I got out of the car, looked at where the source of the smell was and saw a fair bit of smoke. And I was like, ah, that's not good. That looks exactly like how it looked when the clutch blew up. But this time it was instead the brake seizing. And it's really annoying because... I go on these really long jobs away from home. 
and I don't have the car with me. And so I don't know what's happening with the car. And I forget how the car drives after a while. So the next time I get in the car and I'm like, oh, that feels a bit crap. It, a lot of the time I just have to kind of be like, well, you know, maybe it is. Maybe you just kind of get used to that crapness, as it were. Because you go off and you drive faster things. Or, you know, you, you go off and you just forget that cars don't go a million miles an hour straight from startup. And so I come back from these really large, long jobs and I think, oh, that feels a bit crap. I don't really think much of it. This time it was same situation. Tuesday. The last day, famously, I had a uh, bit of a mental breakdown. Got in the car and I started reversing and I was like, that feels really slow. But I was kind of like, right, I guess I'm just not, you know, not tickling the clutch in the right places. Clip that, use it. Um, And so I kind of didn't think much of it. And I found out today that the brakes were binding, like, really badly. They were just completely seized. And so I was on the side of the motorway for over five hours, waiting for a breakdown truck to come. And... I'm with AXA. Now, called AXA, you know, 8.20, didn't get them to pick up till, like, 9.30. Like, every single line was either not going anywhere, or it didn't exist, or it was for, you know, Great Dane insurance, and it's like, right, well, that's not what I want. And so I finally get through to them, and they're like, okay, cool, we'll send someone over. I'm like, sick, see you in a bit, cuz, wagwan. Uh... An hour passes, an hour and a half passes. I'm like, cool, there's nobody here. Get a phone call, and he's like, I'm in Oxford, where are you? I'm like, I am nowhere near Oxford. That's for sure. Turns out, Axa sent him to the wrong place. And so I asked for another one. I'm like, right, well, you've fucked up that. Can you send another guy? And they're like, okay, sure, he's coming. Hour passes, hour and a half passes. Two and a half hours pass. Three hours pass. Jesus Christ, how many hours are passing in front of my eyes of him not arriving? And I'm, like, hyperthermia, throwing up, all sorts of horrible stuff. I'm like, I just want to get the car in the fucking garage and go home. Like, I've already told work, there's no way. I'm not coming in today. There's there's no chance, because by the time I get it back into the garage and try and get a bus to work, the day's pretty much already gone. And as it turns out, that was literally the situation. I got back here at about four o'clock. I would have finished at five. So I got the car into the garage. Don't know anything yet. Because I haven't done their diagnosis thing. I've been waiting for a phone call, which I haven't received yet. So I'm just going to have to kind of wait and hope that something comes up tomorrow. Which, by the way, stick around because I'm going to tickle your ribs a little bit. There is stuff happening tomorrow. Interesting stuff happening tomorrow. Exciting stuff happening tomorrow. Uh, not least the phone call telling me whether I have a car or not. Um, actual exciting stuff happening on this show. Um, but yeah, got into the garage, walked back, and it's, you know, high irony that I kind of got near to home and then was like, I just gave him my entire keys, my entire bunch of keys. God fucking damn it, Callum. No house keys, no work keys, no nothing. 
And so I'm back in my flat today because my neighbours just happened to have a spare. Because I need to. Because I go off on these long jobs and, you know, you never know when something's going to blow up out of nowhere. Especially in a flat like mine, an electronic engineer's flat. It's it's very advisable that at least a few people keep the keys in case, you know, something goes horrendously wrong. But I'm still without work keys, so I think tomorrow, if they're open, I need to take a stroll down and get, you know, my work key, my alarm key, my access fob, all of that sort of stuff. Otherwise, it's just going to be more trouble on Monday. Not the kind of trouble that I want at the moment, if I'm being quite honest with you. Because it's already been, like, quite a... Quite a busy, long-winded week. So I was over in Manchester, good old Mankland, and I didn't have a van on this particular shoot. So Premier League, flying camera, you know the deal. Whoop, whoop. But there's no van, and so I'm kind of like carting myself around on public transport, which anybody who's listened to the show long enough will know I have real problems with. You know, many years of PTSD. Uh, kind of make it very difficult for somebody like me to deal with continuous public transport, but made it through, got a train down, trammed it all around the place. But it's just one of those things where it's like, it's just exhausting. You come back and you don't really want the car to blow up. But we did a good job. Everything went wrong on that shoot, which is not too surprising. You, you're kind of doomed from the start when you don't have one thing it's going to be a domino effect. You're not going to have anything else, are you? That's just how life works. And so we got there. Head's not working. Ah, crap. The head is the uh, thing that the camera sits on. The gimbal. It does the movie moves. Um, And then, you know, there's parts of the actual flight system missing. It's like, oh, cool, great. This could be... Couldn't it get any worse, could it? Um, luckily, I had a, a very uh, experienced technician called Fraser with me, spent nights drinking beer at the bar and talking shit about music. And so that kind of relieved a lot of the stress that I had in the first place because it was initially, well, Callum's there and he's he's got someone who may be a technician, maybe not. We don't know. We haven't looked into it. The, the looking into things machine is broken. Sorry, can't do that. I was like, ah, crap. Um, so luckily it turns out, you know, experienced man kept things kind of going. And so we got there in the end. And so I think that kind of concludes, uh, this saga, this week's saga as such Monday, we'll see if we get back to a good place. I, th- I think that's where we'll kind of leave it for now. Um, coming up on today's episode, got a bit of science coming up a little bit later on. As well as mail sack. Got a little bit of mail sack. And we'll be delving into dealing with bullies in everyday life. I need to find a better title for it. I haven't totally re- I haven't totally written the entire segment yet, if I'm being completely honest. Sometimes I don't bother writing the title, so I kind of just put a placeholder in. Uh, but first off, the owners of an off-grid Welsh island are looking for two wardens to live and work there. Okay, interesting. We're off to a good start. Has anybody wanted to relocate recently? Because I feel like I may have found something for you. The accommodation wardens on Bardsley Island, and then it has a tiny bit of Welsh that I can't quite understand as much as much as my Welsh side wants to uh, explode out 
what would, what would you call that? Burst out, sorry. And say, Nyin Zenli, off the coast of the Lin Palencia in North Wales, will enjoy benefits, including one boat trip to the mainland per month. According to the job advert, other benefits will include a shared food growing space and internet connection. The island, measuring 0.69 square miles, has a population of 11 and is claimed to be the burial site of mystical wizard Merlin. You know, the one from the holiday park. The Bardsley Island Trust is looking for joint applications from two individuals who are expected to live and work together. Successful applicants will be paid £11.44 per hour, with their contract lasting from 1st of March until the 30th of October. The island, which has limited electricity provided by solar panels, can run a light, fridge freezer and internet router. The job description says there is no indoor running hot water and a composting toilet is located outside. The job description says the ability to speak both English and Welsh is compulsory, with a driving qualification also desirable. Pop to ping. I mean, you know, how else are you going to get there, I guess? If it's a remote island, you probably would need a car to kind of cart yourself around. God, can you imagine doing fucking public transport in that situation? Every time you need to go to the island, it would just be a whole other palaver, even trying to find a service that goes near it. Um, so, where do we where do we sit on this, I wonder? Where do we sit on this mail sack coming up on another episode about that? £11.44 per hour. If that is like a nine hours a day, I feel like that is a bit exploitive. If you need to shit in a hole in the ground... Maybe, you know, I don't know how many people would take the opportunity, but I definitely wouldn't shit in a hole in the ground for £11.44 per hour, um, especially if it's like, you know, nine hours per day. I might consider it if it was £11.44 per hour, continual, for every single hour, hour that I'm on the island. But I feel like, you know, it's maybe not all there in in terms of benefits, However, 11 people, can you imagine the peace, the serenity? do wonder what their internet is, though. <laughs> if I can have serenity, but I can't get onto Calm to download my daily meditation. With Tamara Levitt, of course. Gotta love Tamara Levitt. Best daily meditations. But if I can't download them, what do I do? I don't know. And 0.69 square miles. It's got to be an interesting little lifestyle. Think about that. Kind of got to, you know, really go back to roots. Grow your own veg. Because I assume that it's, you know, going to be difficult to get things in and out of this little island. It's not, like, hugely off the coast of North Wales, but it's enough to be problematic if you, you know, don't happen to have a sailboat and a little sailor's cap. And you pop spinach, and it flies in the air, and you catch it in your mouth, and, and you make some weird noise. I can imagine it being slightly slightly problematic. And I'm not too sure how many people would manage to get by in that situation, but I do like the idea of living in serenity and peace. Just, you know, not so much crapping in a hole in the ground. Maybe that's not for me. But hey, maybe it's for you. This is the Callum Sutton Show from Opposition Studios. A girl after my own heart. There's plenty of them. I wish they would just make themselves more obvious. It's Olivia Barron right here on the Callum Sutton Show with Wake Me Up. 
Absolutely loving that. Similar vibes to... Who was that Manchester band? The Mysterines. Love the Mysterines. Fantastic band from Manchester. If you haven't heard them already, uh, A, where were you for that show? I was waiting around for you. I had dinner out for you and everything. It's, it's very sad. Uh, but B, check them out. Um, yeah, now delving into the world of bullies, as as it were, kind of like this whole, um, not particularly fully written segment, but basically I wrote something down in the script yesterday while on the phone with my mum, of all things. Because we were talking about this. We were talking about the whole, like... It, let's say it's... Because um, we always go with the employer example. I want to go for something else. Let's go for customer example. Say, like, a customer is belittling you as a public service worker. Or you could be, you know, customer service representative. You could be a freelancer in, you know, maybe mechanical trades electrical trades, you know, all of these sorts of trades where you make very direct contact with the customer and you kind of have to rely on them being on the same page as you to get work done, to get, you know, concepts kind of accepted and just to make sure that you're all on the same page. There is always these people who are very much bullies. They are just there for the sakes of trying to make themselves feel better by belittling others. I've had it before as a customer service representative about a million times. Me and Sandra often talk about this as well because it is just a thing that naturally exists in the world. It's shit, but it's there. And, you know, sometimes you can't get rid of these things as such. There always will be that kind of like customer who walks in and acts like they own the place, acts like, you know, you don't deserve to be, you know, in front of them, even serving them because they're just that big of a deal. And so it can be hard to kind of like think of ways to serve everything back, as it were, because you don't want to let these people get away with it. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you make yourself weaker. That's something that, you know, that's ludicrous. Unless you're a sub, in in which case, well, welcome to continue what you're doing. If you want, if you want to do that, um, there's, there's some goth emo mommies in the corner waiting for you. Uh, I believe they've got shivs out today, and tomorrow they'll be doing some lace work. Um, however, if you are not in that category, you kind of don't want to encourage those things, and if you're not somebody who is naturally used to kind of giving that sort of stuff back, because you have this pacifistic view of the world, all you want to do is good, it can be very difficult, because if you're a dick in the first place, it's very easy to deal with dicks as it were. Um, You know, if somebody was kind of belittling you, you would just belittle them back. But there are people like me, for example, who I can do that, but it will be really fucking aggressive because it's not my common state of mind. So if I do need to do it, it's forced. It's not natural, it's forced. And I don't particularly like doing that in the first place because I'm a firm believer, as many people who've listened to the show for years will know, that we should just be nice to each other. I feel like that's quite a simple criteria that a lot of people apparently don't have the intelligence to kind of understand, which is disappointing at the best of times, because we've had these kind of demonstrations over the years when, you know, things have gone horrendously wrong. Think Love Manchester. Think uh, the clapping during the pandemic for the NHS. We've had these uh, little sparks of... uh, interaction between unlikely um, suitors where you would have, you know, 
us insane pacifists and those people who are much more aggressive come together and, you know, show humanity, as it were, work together, collaborate towards better things. Uh, don't make it about yourself, make it about the cause. And so it's it's always disappointing when after those kind of big things, it instantly goes back to, well, I'm big alpha man with a massive cock and I'm going to swing it around and be incredibly rude because it's it's not nice being hit in the face by a cock unless you're into that sort of thing. So, you know, you, you prefer not to end up in that situation. You kind of want to give it back to them as such. If you're looking at this in a sexual way, Jim, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Behave yourself. It's just a metaphor. It's nothing else. So you kind of want to give it back, as it were, while being uh, as as much of yourself as possible. You don't want to look weak. So pandering's already out of the equation. What do you do? How how do you reverse the tables, as it were? Because I've had it. And so I know to a certain extent. I've made people, you know, leave hotels before. Literally cancel their entire reservations. Because there's a way with words that you need to have. But I feel like it's something that can be taught, that can be learnt. And that can be put in place as long as you know what it is. So I'm, I'm pretty sure in my specific case, it was like a mother of three um, who was also a teacher of all things, but literally like screaming at people in public, like random strangers, like literally just belittling people. She was a racist, just horrendous person to be around. And so she was, you know, going after staff and what do you do in that situation? It, it's not just a case of, right, let's get back a bit, you know, let's let's let her have her thing, because that just gives her more room, you know. If she's already swinging arms, you've just given her more room to swing arms in. So what do you do? You need to reverse the dynamic. She's a mother, right? So you need to take advantage of that very specifically. What if it was her sons that were calling her at the end of a long work day, saying that they had, you know, enough of everything. You know, they couldn't continue the way they were because of how the public treats them. They were at the end of their rope. Would that not then immediately make you a lot guiltier knowing that you were one of those same people causing those problems? It's about making it more about you should be disgusted by yourself rather than I'm disgusted by you. It's not inflecting this belittling way. It's not saying you're a dick kind of thing, being straight up blunt. It's more saying you should know that you're a dick. You should realise the the actions that you're taking and the implications it has. You have to be very, you know methodic about it and kind of dish it back exactly like that. You go into work. Your boss is the type that belittles people. Maybe he does things that, you know, could be considered illegal. Say, you know, making you work overtime with no pay and then locking you in an underground warehouse. Genuine thing that happened to me at one point. Hello, Tesco Luton. Hope you're do- doing well over there. Uh, I'm pretty sure that manager was arrested. Turns out very dark history behind him. Um, say you're in one of those situations. You need to kind of like take it into your hands to 
A, obviously, you know, fight as much as you can against the things that are being inflicted against you. But don't do it in a way that kind of encourages other people to become part of this problem. You, you need to do it in a way that kind of keeps you isolated. This is my thing. No, I'm not doing that for you. I don't give a fuck what these lot do. I'm not doing it for you. Simple as that. And then you pull out the big guns and you kind of reverse the tables as it were. Okay. You want to be like that? Well, A, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do like the exact opposite of everything you do. I'm just going to, yeah, silent quitting, all of that sort of stuff. Have a good time, chap. And then, you know, follow that up with, is that the type of person that you want to be? Is is that seriously? Is is that the kind of impression you want to, you want to give to your your kids when they're born, whenever the fuck that will be, when you're out of prison probably. Is that what you want to be? Really? You have so many options. You could be so many things and you want to be that. And so we kind of, yeah, we were talking about this. And I think it's just something that at some point I need to have quite a in-depth conversation about, potentially with some more people. Get Alex Rowland in here, see if Lewis is about etika etika. Kelly, where are you? Get everyone in and just have like a proper conversation about this. Because I feel like it could lead to some very interesting... Because it's it's about creating the methods as such. It's about creating methods for it rather than being like, well, I don't like my life, all of this sort of stuff, blah, blah, blah. It needs to be more, well, I don't like my life. However, here's what I'm going to do about it and here's what you can do about it as well. And I feel like eventually if we have these conversations, it could lead to some interesting things. So, yeah, more on that uh, at a later date. We're back with the Callum Sutton Show. SuttonShow.net In the meantime, it's time for the mail sack. Choo-choo! It is karaoke. Fantastic username there. Dear Callum and Show, I brought a pack of diced beef yesterday and it gave me a serving suggestion of three people. Considering making dinner for six, do I need to go out and buy another pack of beef? 400 grams, mind you. Quite enough to keep me satisfied. Or is it the suggestion and a load, uh, or is the suggestion a load of nonsense? Uh, cool. Yeah, let's start with the maths here. 400 grams between three people is a little over 130 grams per person. Now, what the Department of Health and Social Care recommends is 70 grams or less of red meat a day. Preferably not consuming daily, but instead kind of staggering it around. So if the product is just red meat... Tesco is suggesting that gluttony is the answer and that we're not plump enough at the moment. But I think in general suggestions are kind of a weird thing and, you know, you kind of just need to play with these things. I've got things in the freezer right now that I made with, you know, what I would consider a minuscule amount of meat. But, you know, have fun with it. Pat it out. It doesn't need to be red meat all the time. Cannellini beans is nice in a uh, kind of like a slow cooker um, beef stew. If you want to pack that out, cannellini bean, beans, cannellini beans, hard to say. And nobody puts potatoes in their beef stews for some reason. They always serve it with potatoes on the side. Just pop it in. If you've got like a 2.25 litre or a 2.5 litre slow cooker, just pop a bunch of potatoes in there. You've got space for it, so you might as well. If you do skin on, it creates a nice little unique texture in, you know, that whole world of just it's soft, it's soft. It's meat. You get a bit of, hmm, there's, there's a bite there. I don't know what that bite is, but I kind of like it. 
it's the potato skin kind of just, you know, living in the broth, as it were, because it kind of falls off. <laughs> it's it's uh, potato falling off the bone, as it were. And I like uh, several-day-old wine. They always say, like, don't keep a bottle of red wine open for several days. But for me personally, I think that's the only real way to do it for a lot of cheaper wines. Although I firmly believe that price point doesn't really affect wine at all. Unless you're looking at, like, you know, £4 uh, Tesco Merlot. Yes, there is a very, very big difference there. But you can tell in the ABV, because if it's, like, 10%, yeah, that is a mass, a, a stupidly mass manufactured, um, done within so many guidelines wine that it actually becomes terrible because they have to add sweeteners and colourings to it, which is weird for a wine. But if you're in the ballpark of 13 to 14%, you know it's a standard wine. It's a wine. It could be of any quality at any price point because ultimately the connoisseurs apparently know nothing. And we've been taught that you know, time and time again, because there was that whole thing where they blindfolded a wine connoisseur and gave him the cheapest bottle that they could find. And he gave it like a five-star review, but only because he didn't know that he was drinking something that wasn't, you know, 300 pounds. Sometimes it's all just a bunch of crap. Most recently, I've tried uh, Carlsberg Export. Now, I've looked at that for the last, I don't know, 12 years and not bitten once. 12 years? I've highly overestimated my age there. Uh, either way, saw that on the shelves the entire time. I was like, right, well, it's just it's just going to be like a special brew kind of thing. Not very nice. Just kind of made for the stellaratoire crowd of late. But it's actually quite nice. Carlsberg Export is very close to Heineken with a slightly darker, slightly more uh, meaty taste to it, as it were. So, you know, £5.50 for a four-pack of pint cans of Carlsberg Carlsberg Export, it's not a bad deal at all. I just kind of thought that, you know, Export, white and gold can, that's that's just absolute pandering, isn't it? It sounds like absolute pandering. You wouldn't expect it to be good, just just based on looks, but hey... Maybe maybe sometimes you just can't judge books by their cover, right? Um, so yeah, tomorrow and maybe day after show with Alex Cole, so a nice little uh, canon one. In the meantime, I'm going to say thank you so much for listening. Love you, and I shall see you on the next episode. Playing me out today, James Lancaster. This-